Welcome back to Ministers in the Making. I'm Paul Horstmeyer, here with my co-host, John Corollis. And today, I'm excited to say that we have a very special friend joining us. He is the ever-imitated, never-duplicated, Brazilian-born, Boston-raised, Alvaro Witt Duarte. Alvaro, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Paul, John. Alvaro, it's great to uh, be here in the studio with you today. And as we continue our mission of trying to share the seminary community with those who don't have the opportunity to be a part of it the same way that students do, uh, I was wondering and and excited that you agreed to share your story with us here today. So, But first, uh, Alvaro, did you like the introduction? I, I did. I did. Thank you very much. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, I wrote it in class, so. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> we do not advocate for writing intros during class. Good. Now, uh, getting back to business, could you tell us a little bit of your story, a little bit of your path to seminary, uh, maybe surrounding the the decision you made when you knew you wanted to come to seminary, and, and then sort of the process of how you ended up being a first-year MDiv student now? Sure, sure. I think that my story is, in a way, one of the traditional fits into the traditional uh, story of those who come to seminary, but in a way it isn't. Uh, I really thought about going into seminary when I was in middle school. Uh, I really enjoyed the church that I was in. I always enjoyed uh, going to Sunday school. I always enjoyed reading uh, scripture. And I went into high school, and after graduating high school, I didn't really have the opportunity to go into any uh, seminaries because I'm in the Northeast, and in the Northeast we didn't have we don't have any Lutheran seminaries or any even Lutheran colleges uh, in New England. There's the closest one we have is in uh, New York. So I decided to go from high school right into college uh, to get a history degree. So I did that, and I got a teaching license as well. And then right after college, I taught high school for three years, and that aspect of seminary was always in my mind. It never really left. So it was there the whole time you were going through college? Oh, yeah. And while you were teaching? Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, One of the great conversations that I had with one of my mentor teachers uh, when I had gotten the job at the high school was about stop teaching to go to seminary. (laughs) And she looked at me like I had 18 heads, and she goes, oh, yeah, that's a great Dream, but uh, you're making much more money here, and you're gonna have a great <laughs> retirement fund. You should stick around. And so I was like, "Well, okay." So next year came around, and I love teaching. I still love teaching today. I still am in contact with my students. You said it was a high school. Is that a public high school? It was a public high and school. Large, yeah, uh, fairly big. Yeah, in a uh, in a seaside town. Wow, in the North Shore in Massachusetts, Essex County. Shout out to anybody listening from Essex County. Um, so I decided to apply to seminary. And when I decided to apply, I told nobody at the school. Interesting. I felt like it was going – I was going to get a lot of pushback. Sure. Uh, some of my best friends were my colleagues, but I felt like they weren't going to necessarily understand my reasoning for this. Uh, and part of it is the – I don't want to say state of Christianity in the Northeast, but it's very, it's really novel for somebody to go into the ministry 
Uh, I don't know anybody my age uh, that's gone into the ministry from my uh, my community. Uh, so I applied and I got accepted all secretly, if you will, from my colleagues okay. and my students. Sure. Uh, were, you, the, were you talking to anybody about this as you were doing it? You know, like family? Oh, yeah. My friends? family knew. My family was very supportive. My family in Brazil was very supportive, especially. I have uh, four or five cousins, second cousins, third cousins, who are pastors in the Brazilian Lutheran Church. Uh, wow. Which used to be a district of the Missouri Synod. Oh, okay. And only recently in the last 70 years um, became its own uh, synod. Uh, but anyway, so June came around, end of May, beginning of June, uh, as the school year died down, and I came into the last department meeting, history department meeting that we had, and there's actually this lady there who was retiring that year. And she, you know, was going on about, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be here next year, but I'm very happy to retire. And at the end, the department head said, well, does anybody else have anything to say? (laughs) (laughs) So I I spoke up and I said, "Um, I'm not returning next year. Uh, I'm I'm going to seminary. And they looked at me like I revealed like this. (laughs) I don't need like the secret or something. I let the cat out of the bag. They looked at me. And like, no, you're kidding. Like, no, I'm serious. And they already used to joke with me. They used to call me Father <laughs> Alvaro or something okay, at sure. uh, at school because uh, they knew I would, you know, go to church and uh, I would often talk about that. And in conversation, things regarding Christianity would come up. So they already had that idea. So it wasn't too much of a surprise. Were any of your colleagues Christian? Even? Mm, not really. No. Oh, wow. No. Yeah. So – it sounds like you're almost kind of describing very two distinct communities within uh, at least the area that you were growing up and working in, uh, where you kind of had a church community that was very much divided from the work community, at least personally for you. You know, was there with that divide there where you weren't working with people that you had grown up spiritually with and, you know, that sort of thing? Uh, did that have any effect on your own? spiritual formation and and your decision and and thought to come to seminary or was it just always something constant in your head that you knew was going to happen at some point soon? That's a good question. Um, It was, I could see two distinct uh, communities uh, for sure. Uh, I am glad that I grew up where I grew up and worked where I worked because uh, this is a little bit of theologian of glory coming out, but it really ga- gives you an opportunity to be that Christ shining light, sure. you know, in yeah. that community. And so when you know that you're one of the few people in this huge school that, you know, openly says, you know, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I believe in Christ. Uh, it sets you apart pretty quickly. Uh but then you would go to church on Sunday and you'd just be with your brothers and sisters. But then you'd go to work and you're the only one there. And so that would be very uh, interesting every week. You know, um, I never really got pushback. Never, nobody ever questioned necessarily my faith. Yeah. Uh, but people were just very apathetic about church. And yes, uh, going back to your question about that shaping my decision to go to 
seminary. Uh, it's really early in the game, you know, to talk about calls and to talk about sure, yeah. Vicarage yeah. being a first year or first uh, semester. Uh, but I really do want to go back to New England uh, because I see a need in New England. I see uh, how people are thirsty and hungry for the gospel. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to. It's now that I, you on. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it it's, kind of inspired you to actually make your move to go to seminary yes. rather than it just being an idea. And so I'm a little bit curious then. Uh, you said growing up within the church and, and always having that being a strong part of your identity and, and your area. Um, did the idea of becoming a pastor, specifically that career, uh, did that just kind of show up eventually out of the out of the that the environment you grew up in, or was there a moment where you kind of realized that uh, you did want to pursue that career path, and and also uh, did that coincide with the inspiration you received from your coworkers, or was it before then that you knew for sure? I think I knew in my when I started student teaching. I started so as with most jobs that deal with people, you have a year of internship or a semester of internship, just as we have here with Vicarage. Uh, and so I, like I said, my decision to come to seminary was never based on me not liking my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew that dealing with Christ's word and dealing with the spread of the gospel, I felt like that was calling me more and I could see it more clearly uh, because of the society that I was working in, you know. Uh, so I wouldn't say that it was much, so much more of a push because, like I said, ever since middle school, that's always been in my mm-hmm. head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I – it was – in my head, I don't want to – you know, I don't want to sound uh, dramatic here, but it was – now or never, you know, for to come to seminary because I was in my third year of teaching. I said, you know, really want to do this, really want to go to seminary is what I mean. Uh, and if I don't do it, I don't think I'll do it ever, but it's always going to be in my in my mind. Uh, and so when I started to talk to people about it, whether it was my congregation, whether it was my family, whether it was my, you know, my friends, they were very supportive. Even when I mentioned it to my coworkers at the end of the year, just last uh, June, people were really supportive. They were upset that I was leaving because I really had a very good, still do, very good relationship with my coworkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were very supportive in yeah. that. Uh, and so that reaffirmed in my heart uh, my will or my want to come to St. Louis for seminary. Yeah, and that's and that's great that you still got some of those strong relationships that you're still able to cultivate even though you're no longer in that area, uh, in that work environment. And so we kind of touched on a little bit uh, the influences of your decision to come to seminary and and sort of the development of that idea. And so I would love to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about how seminary has been going for you so far. And so maybe some things that you're involved with around campus or, or just maybe your fieldwork congregation or things like that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the experiences you've had so far here um, and maybe some of the general uh, 
changes in your perception of what ministry looks like? I know it's early on, like you said. It definitely is. Uh, it feels early on for Paul and I still being only in our second year. But um, even just after a few weeks of classes, sometimes you get a different feel for what ministry maybe is going to be like or a different perspective. So talk a little bit about life on campus. So the campus always has something going on. And uh, I think that's a great thing. Uh, and it's not just something in one department. There are various things you could do at various times, regardless of what your likes and dislikes are. So when mm-hmm. I came in, uh, I'm a big fan of music. I like singing and I like playing. So one of the first things that I got involved with was uh, choir here. And so I became part of that. Uh, and that's been real fun. We've gotten to perform in some uh, – really nice churches around town. Uh, I also uh, got involved. Well, I pretended that I was going to get involved in some of the sports, but that never happened. Uh, (laughs) But there are also plenty of opportunities for those listening to get involved in uh, (laughs) sports. Prospective basketball player. Prospective basketball. I did sign up to do tennis, so expect to see me. There's still time. You might still be a student athlete come spring. Oh yeah, is that yeah. what? Uh, yeah. So go on. Sorry. Yeah. Um, regarding uh, field work, I did some pieces of the liturgy at home uh, in Boston. What I mean at my church in Linfield, uh, but had never gotten to do the whole thing. So my pastor was pretty open with me, uh, saying, "You know, just tell me how much you want to do. You know, if you don't want to do much, you know, you can let me know." And because you're just you know, first semester. Yep. So I said, you know, okay, so let me do Bible study one time. So he, uh, we were doing a Martin Luther Bible study. So it was my wheelhouse because I was a history major. You're a history major. guy, yeah. Right. So I loved doing that. So that was really fun. And then uh, we started slowly working up to reading past, you know, doing the lectionaries for the day and then up to prayers and then the and then chanting even which was uh, which was interesting. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and then I think two weeks ago was when I did my first full liturgy. Wow! And that was daunting. You know, it was yeah. uh, it's it's a big deal. Uh, so there's plenty of opportunity. Going back to your question, plenty of opportunity there to get involved in my uh, RFE congregation. And, and, that and was just really a, fun. just a side note, then what is your fieldwork congregation uh, kind of context? Describe the kind of church you're working at. Where is it? It's on uh, Morganford Road. It's in the city. It's in the city. Yeah. So it's only about 10, 15 minutes away. Nice. Yeah. It's one of the historic churches, right? I mean, it's pretty got a big history to it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, St. John's Morganford. So it, interestingly enough about the name, it's called St. John's with the apostrophe after the S. Because it's named after both John the Baptist and John the Evangelist. Wow. Because I brought that up to the wow. pastor. I said, is this apostrophe who, in the wrong place? Yeah. And he <laughs> said, no, the church is named after. And is it a large church? Uh, it is not. I think uh, the it was a large church it had its at heyday, one point. Sure. Exactly. Uh, but because of many of the original families, you know, now moving out and going to elsewhere, uh, other places in St. Louis or outside the city to live, Mm -hmm. uh, the church is not very big. It's close to the size of my church at home uh, in Linfield. So that was 
uh, nice to. How big is that? I think we have about 50, uh, 50 to 60 a Sunday. Okay. Yeah. And it's one service uh, at 9 a.m. Uh, with Bible study. Great. Following. Yeah. Uh, Are you doing uh, doing modules right now? Oh, that's right. The modules. Yeah. I remember you uh, talking about your modules uh, in your first or second episode of I this. Did. Of A this. good faithful listener here. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, I'm waiting for you guys to uh, to you know do like the talk shows where they give the uh, like a password, and if you keep listening, you call mm. in and you say uh, what was the yeah. secret word or something like that. Yeah, yes. when, when we had a hundred subscribers, we were going to be doing our first giveaway. Yeah, so. right. The, the ninth <laughs> caller. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get a Thrivent shirt. <laughs> yeah, You've never <laughs> seen one of those. Before. No, no, that's one of my activities. Let me let me let you into one of my things. One of my daily. Check, you know, like, you know, get out of bed, check, you know, put on socks, check kind of thing. One is see a Thrivent shirt yeah. daily. Yeah. And it's it's pretty consistent. I'm sure that the seminary community makes that a possibility yeah, for you. But even on like a Saturday when I'm driving in St. Louis. St. Louis, Louis makes it possible for you to Those see Those Thrivent shirts are so comfortable. I yeah. Mean, they're it, pretty much my go-to shirt for like relaxing. So, right. Yeah, and I've seen them on just... What seemed like random people, yeah, just out on the right. sidewalk and everything. I was at a Grace Meat Plus Three. Have you guys been there? It's uh, it's uh, a no. new restaurant uh, in town, hipster feelish kind of thing. And Makes so sense. I saw uh, this family in there, and they look. It was on Sunday after church, and I was uh, with some fellow seminarians there. And there was this little kid who's wearing a thriving shirt, and uh, his parents were there, and I think his grandparents, and so. I naturally started a conversation with the mom or being like, oh, you know, you guys are uh, coming from church. They're like, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, they're like, how do you know uh, we're Lutherans? We ended up going, and I'm like, well, he's wearing a thriving shirt. <laughs> but, but these people actually had a lot of connections to the seminary. Uh, and so, and the grandfather had connections to music here at the oh, seminary wow. like 40 years ago. But anyway, that's uh, that's a whole other thing. So we were talking about activities and modules. Uh, I am uh, at... Christian Friends of New Americans. Uh, okay. That's my cross-cultural module down on uh, South Grand. Great. And that's been really, really uh, rewarding to being able to work with kids. A lot of the kids are uh, – most of them are immigrants or refugees from Nepal or from uh, the Congo. And so we get to work with them on homework for about – 45 minutes and then later we go and we have recreational time for about half an hour and then the last piece the last half an hour or so is a devotional usually led by a local pastor who gets called uh, over to do a devotional and uh, and so it's rewarding uh, it's challenging because they're kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. So but a lot of fun too, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So I say that the cross cultural isn't necessarily that these kids come from another culture, but it's me dealing with. It's the generation gap. It's the generation high gap. school teacher versus yeah children versus ten year olds. Yeah. Uh, so that's been really uh, really fun, and I'm sad that it's ending soon because of the semester you uh, know finishing yeah. up. But my next module will be the institutional module will be at St. Mary's Hospital. Ah. And I'm pretty excited for that one. Yeah, very good. Um, I don't know what 
it entails exactly, but... Well, maybe we can bring you in to talk about it later on, Oh, depending well, on how yeah, this yeah. interview goes. I thought you were just going to say that you are going to tell me right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so going on then about seminary and more specifically kind of focusing on the perspective it's given you on ministry so far, uh, can you... Have you had any thoughts about maybe what ministry is going to be like and then you started taking more classes or, or experiencing the formation that happens here and then coming to some realizations about ministry or, or maybe some things you've learned about ministry that you're excited about after having come into contact with them at the seminary? Uh, what do you have to say about that? So regarding doing ministry, uh, I had a very good relationship with my pastors at home. So I – and they let me in to sort of the nuts and bolts of ministry that, you know, talking to them and talking to them about seminary, they made it pretty clear to me what their everyday lives were like. Sure. Uh, and so regarding expectations of doing ministry, uh, I have – it's it's been pretty even regarding the things I've heard from my home pastors and what I've heard from professors. So that's been uh, constant. Uh, Something that surprised me uh, in a good way was how much care the seminary has for us in terms of how we, uh, how our health is going into the ministry. Not just can you preach? Uh, or can you, how many Bible verses do you have memorized? Or how's your exegetical or how's your systematic theology? How they care about your person? How are you doing? How's your health? How's your spiritual health? How is your financial health or psychological health and all that? So that's been something that I guess I didn't, uh, know that we're going to talk about so much. And I'm very thankful for it because, you know, you reflect on yourself. You say, you know, how am I doing physically? How am I doing spiritually? Is there something for me to work on? Uh, And so that's been a big part of our pastoral ministry. Yeah, I think think in an academic environment like this where it's full-time, if you're living on campus, you can kind of get caught up in just the book work and the homework and you start to get a little bit distracted from some of those more important well-being issues and you maybe aren't thinking about some of the long-term effects or some of the preparation that this time is designed for you to be involved with so that when you do leave the seminary and eventually take hold of a church, you're going to be well-equipped to do that not only mentally and academically and knowledgeably, but also in a healthy way so that um, you're not completely surprised by the challenges that you might face financially right, or right, right. or time management wise or even with uh dealing with just you know it's a people ministry and and dealing with people and just all the different yeah situations you can come across in in the ministry i think i've come to witness that as well not only in uh the courses and in personal interactions with uh with instructors but also we start talking about the new curriculum and they've really taken steps forward to have that element of well-being recognized by the uh by the administration in the in the official preparation of a student so it's not something just marginal anymore 
but yeah. it's a focus of the curriculum. And I think um, that's been a very positive thing. And, and your statement about that, I think, is really encouraging for for a lot of us. Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> I mean, I know they've been really good about that with your class, Alvaro, and they've had lots of you know sessions of sort of discussing all these topics. And we're kind of in the weird transition period where last year we were in the old curriculum where they did not focus on that as much, and now they're trying to sort of catch us up. Uh, but I do remember sort of the first day when they were introducing this whole idea of, you know, being healthy and well and all these different areas, uh, you know, that really came about because when they were doing research about you know, what what are sort of the the commonalities with guys that, you know, really burn out or fail or drop out of ministry, you know, the guys that only last five or 10 years. Right. And then what about the guys that, you know, really seem to thrive, you know, they have a you know, the family situation's good, everything, you know, is, is going well, they've got a faithful ministry going on, and, you know, they were saying, like, you know, it's not all the strictly theological stuff like you were saying, it's not just, you know, oh, that guy can't, you know, read the Greek right there, oh, he's never, he's, kick him out, you know, it's it's a lot of the things of, wow, he was getting so caught up in work, he was not managing his finances, and now he can't, you know, afford this right. job anymore, or... You know, now he sort of let his physical health go and now he's, you know, he can't even sort of do the daily tasks. And it's like, yeah, once they started talking about that, it's like, wow, that's that's so, that's so true. Like as much as you could be so like prepared, you know, academically and theologically, you're just, you know, it's almost useless if you, you know, if one of those other things kind of holds you back, yeah. it makes you incapable of ministry. So I'm glad that that's been a a, a nice, you know, sort of positive note for you. Um, maybe surprising thing. It was surprising for me too, but I I am glad that they're actually taking that you know into account with you know and warning us like you guys need to value you know your health in all these ways. Yeah, I think that I they're pretty clear on the challenges that you're going to face. Yeah, uh, and this preparation isn't necessarily for these challenges to be avoided. But it's how do you deal with them? And that's what I like. That's the clarity I like as well. They're not saying you're not going to have health problems. They're not saying you're not going to have, you know, financial problems. But they're saying we're giving you tools to deal with these issues when they arise. Uh, and so there's that reality aspect as well. Yeah, and, you know, they're not giving you a key that says, you know, this will solve all your problems. And I think another strong point of it is it's not something that is necessarily ministry specific, but these are challenges that every – yeah. Every professional is going to run into at some point in their life, and uh, by letting you address it and and hearing from experts in the areas or people that are experienced in dealing with some things like this, uh, they really do a lot to help prepare us for the road ahead. Yeah, I uh, it was our health uh, when the two presenters came in to talk about health wellness, and it was Professor Seleska. And Professor Brogy, sure. And it was eye-opening uh, to see Professor Slaska, uh, such a young—not well, yeah, he's fairly young, uh, but very lean and healthy. And him being like, "Yeah, you know, I, you know, this happened to me when I was in grad school, and it was a big health issue in my life." And you know, sure. for in it for us, it was eye-opening to see you know somebody who just appears to be so healthy and is healthy right now, but saying, you know, I was so focused on these other areas of my life that I forgot about this other area yeah. and it came back 
Yeah, balance is definitely, a, I think, a, a big focal point for uh, the sort of the practical aspects that come with preparing for ministry. Right. So um, kind of bouncing off of that then, what sort of, you know, what's maybe the biggest thing that you are uh, emotional about concerning ministry? And what I mean is what are you either most afraid of or most excited for when it comes to uh, what the ministry might hold? You know, what what sort of element are you particularly passionate about, if there is one? I uh, am passionate about, and this goes back to my roots, uh, I know that there are a lot of, there's a large Brazilian population in New England and in Boston specifically. Uh, and a lot of these, uh, a lot of these communities are not that, What's the word? They're not reached out in terms of uh, gospel and stuff like that. So that's one of the passions I have is to go back to New England and not only work with the American population, but also uh, with the immigrant population around. That's something that I've been looking forward to and thinking about a lot. I mean, again, it's early in the process, but that's something that I would really like to do uh, is to go back home. Not home as in, you know, perhaps Boston itself or – but – the New England area because I see a, a great need there. Uh, and then your other question was about something that I'm fearful of, perhaps. Sure. Hmm. Going back home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, the whole prophet not being welcomed. Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not taking that, you know, as, you know, to the letter, but it is New England. It is the Northeast. It is perhaps not as receptive to the gospel as, say, northern Wisconsin or Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, I've met a lot of people here in uh, St. Louis who are not Lutherans, but are Presbyterians or are Catholics, or and they're fairly open about, you know, yeah, you know, I'm, I go to church every Sunday. I, you know, yeah, yeah, and that's definitely not the case. Up in New England, so that's a big challenge that I see is uh, presenting a gospel to a colder peoples regarding Christianity and regarding yeah, scripture. Talents. Yeah, unfamiliar too. Yeah, yeah. And with what you said earlier, uh, apathetic, really, I think is you know really hits the nail on the head. I think, and we're seeing that you know creep in more and more, sort of inland from the coast of just you know people just don't care almost it's like what do you do with that yeah and so that's been uh something that i think about too in terms of going home uh you know again when i say home new england the region the region region. of new england the six beautiful states of new england pennsylvania is not one and nor is new york i've heard that around campus that drives me crazy you know you'll have to forgive those who are uninformed well yeah uh (laughs) Uh, yeah, but uh, an interesting thing being here is uh, seeing how large the Lutheran population is and seeing the face of the Lutheran Church in the Midwest. Uh, and that's been a really fun and interesting thing for me. Yeah. Because up in Massachusetts or even in New England as a whole, people really don't even know what Lutheranism is. Mm-hmm. They can't sure. point you to a Lutheran church. Or they what can't. What makes that any different from any other church? Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, 
that's another challenge, actually. A challenge or, you know, good and bad for, you know, going back home. It's fearful uh, and exciting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, so so then, um, and this is more of a, a speculative question. Um, you've talked a lot about how your passion is driven from your home context, from your region, and your aspirations also are, are tightly bound to that area. And, and also, your fieldwork church is similar to your home church over in, in uh, New England. And so my question is, when it comes to an experience like Vicarage, are you hoping for an experience, a context that is similar to what you're used to and what you hope to be working in? Or are you hoping to be exposed to something a little bit different from maybe what you are used to and what you are maybe looking forward to? Oh, I think about that so often. I was uh, driving home from Thanksgiving, uh, driving to St. Louis, to the campus from Thanksgiving. And I uh, was on the phone with my mom and we spent a lot of time talking about that uh, just the other day about would I want to go to the West Coast, somewhere I've never been. Yeah. Or... The South or... Yeah, I'm more familiar with the South, uh, but like Nebraska or something like that or the Great Plains. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, I've never been to those places. And so I do think about that a lot. Uh, and so I don't know. I don't... I guess I wish I had an answer for you, but it's... Uh, I really would like to get my hands into the ministry in a place where I would want to work sort of ASAP. Sure. Okay. But I see how seeing other places is maybe more valuable. You know, how going and seeing how the church is in California or how the church is in New Mexico or how the church is in Wisconsin or Minnesota or something like that, uh, or Alabama or Georgia, uh, but I, I wish I had an answer for you, but it's because it's something I think about a lot. So, yeah. you know, well, if it's... And, and thankfully, you know, uh, we don't have the burden of decision on our backs as far as students when it comes to deciding where exactly right. is. Right. But it is fun to think about. Can I, I ask you the I, same question? Uh, you can. Uh, my fieldwork church is similar context to my home congregation, but not the same. Uh, my home congregation is a rural, large church. My fieldwork church is very small rural church. Uh, and I uh, am hoping to experience something uh, different from both of those things, maybe ah. outside the Midwest. Uh, and I've got my interview scheduled with the uh, with the placement director. So uh, my wife and I are, are excited and anxious about that. But uh, yeah, so the, the hope is maybe to get into a region, a context that um, we're not as familiar with. Yeah. So that would be my answer to the speculation question. Yeah. Uh, so, so in closing, then one more question for you. Um, when it comes to other people who might be considering coming to seminary, or just have thoughts about seminary, what advice would you give to someone considering that? I think it is maybe one of the most important decisions of their lives, and that might sound daunting, and it is. Sure. Uh, but I think it comes from loving the Lord and loving the gospel. Uh, and if that's in your heart, uh, that's a big step already in wanting to share it with other people. Uh, 
in a more formal uh, way. Uh, and I think that has shaped how I thought of seminary. You know, it wasn't uh, I've got the special calling and I feel it in my heart. It's uh, a love for God's word that uh, in a way made me end up here. Uh, and I think that a lot of people wait for this divine revelation of, oh, you should go to seminary. Uh, but I think it's not clear cut. You know, I think yeah. it's uh, I think there are more people out there that have the capacity to be out here, but they're not sure or they're not convinced that it's for them. Uh, but there is. I think the thing that needs to be in your heart is a sincere love for the gospel. And I think that uh, if somebody has that, then they should think, you know, would I want to do this as a as a profession or share God's word as a profession? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that answer and all the other answers you gave us in conversation today. It was great to have you a part of our recording. Um, so we just have a couple of... Uh, Closing statements here from Paul to to kind of wrap up the episode. So uh, thank you again, Alvaro. Thank you very much, John. Thank you, Paul. Yes, Alvaro. Always good to talk. Uh, I look forward to talking more, hearing more. Uh, So thank you again for listening. Uh, Tune in next time. We'll hopefully have another interview lined up, some more interesting insights and perspectives from, from students or maybe a faculty or a staff. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We don't know. Uh, But again, we, we thank you for your time and, uh, we uh we look forward to the next and and don't forget we are on facebook we are on soundcloud <laughs> we are on itunes we are on youtube we are everywhere and we would love to be more than everywhere so if you are listening to this maybe hit the share button or maybe tell somebody about it or maybe listen to some other episodes and then share it with other people who haven't heard it yet uh we would just love to uh continue spreading the information about seminary and and continuing on this journey with you as a listener. So thanks again. We will see you next time.